retro anime. How did we find it? How does it hold up? Unpacking the ins and outs of being an old school nerd, and proving that 80s kids can't remember a damn thing right. These are the mindless midlife musings of the anime nerd. Welcome to Mindless Midlife Musings of the Anime Nerd. I'm Rick, and I'm joined by the rest of our panel, Vic, Brian, and Lynette. How's everyone doing today? I want a flag. Hey. Well, today we're talking about Kite, uh, the story of a young orphan who was raised to be a deadly assassin in a corrupt world with twisted morals. Kite, also known as A-Kite, is an OVA that was written and directed by uh, Yasuomi Umetsu. And two 35-minute episodes were released in, in February... Uh, and October of 1998, respectively. However, subsequent releases, including all three DVD releases for the United States, have all been edited into like a single cohesive OVA film. Uh, the film has seen several releases over the years, three of the three U.S. versions, um, to with varying degrees of editing. With the special edition, air quoting, being released in 2004. Uh, the editing, of course. Uh, being used to remove several scenes of explicit sexual assault involving what is considered a minor in most countries. So, this dropped in 1999 for us. Even the first time this came out. Still, I mean, we're still talking 90s. This definitely meets our criteria. It, we were all almost, uh, yeah, you were out too. All of us out of school. High school, anyway. Some of us in college around this time. Uh, dropped right before the millennium change. So, sort of an interesting time for anime and for just media in general. Uh, we were pre-cell phones, we were still... So this kind of fell under the radar for a lot of people. Not to mention that when it dropped, uh, the first versions were edited. Then not, like, a year or two later, the unedited versions had come out. Uh, I don't remember ever having seen the original. A cut version. No, yeah. but definitely we we are definitely in the beeper years at least. At the very, we're talking about beepers. Yeah, uh, yeah. This was this was that time period. Yeah, I mean, the job I had at a, the video store, I had a pager. Like that was how people contacted me. It was uh, so it wasn't a very informative. The information age, not maybe just kind of getting started. We had internet, but it wasn't like the greatest thing in the world. Everything was on a GeoCity site back then. If you were trying to find out about this movie, you were digging around Yahoo or Ask Jeeves, and you were trying to find out <laughs> about anime. <laughs> yeah, Alta Vista. And you were trying to find out about anime, and you, if you would have landed on this, um, you might have not known about its notoriety. This actually is an extremely notorious anime. Uh, it not just because of the the explicit sexual nature of it, but it inspired a lot of a lot of people uh, make two things like to make films, to to be anime. To it got a lot of people into anime. Uh, it's known for its very, you know, La Femme Nikita kind of esque storyline. Right, it's very you know, young girl born into a world of violence. That that remains true even for the edited version. Really, what you don't get is just basically in the unedited versions, you just missing out on the pornography. Pretty much, which is 
it's questionable as to whether or not that's a loss. <laughs> well, from now, what I've read, and I don't know, know if it's true or not, but the director actually prefers the international cut, which is the edited version. All right. So, yeah, before we, we dive too much into our usual routine, I do want to comment on this. So, according to IMDb, at least one other source on the internet I found, um, Metsu uh, said that the sex scenes were a result of a, his contractual obligation, that he had to add them in. Yeah, he couldn't get funding without it. <laughs> I, I, I challenge that thought. Because another interview I found, and I'll put the link in the show notes, uh, he said that he wanted to make Sawa a junior high school student but was worried that he wouldn't be able to get the anime rated in Japan. Then predated this with Yellow Star, which was his uh, episode of Cool Devices, which featured a lot of similarities to this. And he followed it up with Mezzoforte, which consequentially also featured extremely graphic sex with a young girl, though I can't remember if they specify that character's age or not. I don't remember, but Mezzoforte was another series that was split up into both edited and unedited versions too. Right, so... He can say all he wants that he didn't want to do it. He sure as shit did it a lot. Yeah. It's a little suspect. And I couldn't find any article that anybody commented or video or anything where he specifically says he didn't want to do it. If anything, he might have been a real-life Mr. Akai. <laughs> he might. I don't know. Uh, look, but here's the thing about Umetsu. Love him or hate him for these three particular anime... The guy's got a pedigree. He's got a filmography that a lot of animators would kill for. Worked on Megazone 2-3. He worked on Robot Carnival. He worked on Kashin Robot Hunter. Soul Bianca. He did a, uh, an episode of Dante's Inferno. He was an animator on fucking Akira. This guy's his due diligence. So it's an interesting thought experiment to talk about this anime and come at it with the questions that I had about authenticity of that statement well there's also studio arms itself uh until it looks like about 2003 2004 pretty much everything they produced was adult and it wasn't until uh mezzo dsa which is the mezzo forte tv series you know then that they started producing tv and then and then he they you know the studio produced things like elfin lead and right things like that I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm not not saying the guy's a perv. Not saying he's a creeper or a, you know, or any of those things. Just saying there's a lot of evidence to support that theory if you had it. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, this, this movie's very confusing. It's, I mean, it's not intended to be, but it ends up being a little confusing. Let's, let's dig into it. Let's dig into the film itself. Let's, uh, Controversy about its content notwithstanding. Let's let's talk about it opens strong. I really liked this opening scene, the concept of this unassuming girl in the elevator with a real prick, and then she just puts him out. Execute. The word you look for is execute. <laughs> I'd have to agree with Brian. <laughs> strong. I was like, he's done. He needs to be done. Yeah. It was cool. It was a strong. It was a strong opening. I I liked that a lot. I thought it was really cool. And as coming at it from a a fan of films like A Long Kiss Goodnight or La Femme Nikita or you know like the professional things like that, like it's like damn, this is this is awesome. 
I really love the introduction of the gun. The gun, it it, it came through. It came through like Miley Cyrus. It came through like a wrecking ball. <laughs> <laughs> the explosive a ball that explodes after a little bit. It was really right. cool. It was the part that I liked. It's I love. It's like triggered. Like it's not timed. It's not censored. It's there's a, a trigger on the gun to make things go boom. Like I, I love mm-hmm. that. That shit was. Just, it was just and like cool. the thing about it is, is that if you think about the ballistics and the physics of it, right? It had enough to penetrate, and then it held. Mm-hmm. It did exit the other side of the body. It stayed right there, and then somehow it they were alive enough to pulsate. And then explode. So yeah, so the gun itself clearly doesn't have to have a particularly strong caliber of bullet. It doesn't have to go very... It doesn't need a lot of penetration power. It just has to land. And if it lands, it's done. It's, it's got to penetrate the skin and that's it. That's it. It's all it's got to do. So these, these guns are probably not... You know, they're not going to be pulling off wanted-style shots with this kind of gun. That would have been cool, though. <laughs> He's it's, not wrong. It, it's a cool it's a cool gimmick. I dug it. Bend the bullet. Uh, this whole movie to me that I think the the note I wrote about it is that I, I it's this is like a dark future version of the professional where Gary's character like takes Matilda. That's how this felt to me. <laughs> That's an interesting look at it and yeah, it kind of works. It if anything especially if Gary was a perv. It, it, it definitely feels like he started combining elements from, like you said, this. it started off with cool devices, and then after cool devices, it went straight into this one, and then goes. So cool devices, you had the exploding uh, little chickens. Thing. Yeah, a little, the little plush, right. Yeah. And then he said, I'm going to use that same idea, but I'm going to put it into a bullet. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I much like, and it's it's a strange comparison to make, but much like how we sort of deconstructed Masami Obari's work over the course of his films, you can kind of see an arc this creator these three pieces too. Right. Yellow mm-hmm. Star, this, and Mezzo. It, it is kind of interesting to, to follow that train of thought. It's interesting uh, to see he really does not does not like police lieutenants or detectives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the law no good in this dude's eyes. That's for sure. Right. Uh, I, I did read a little bit about about his thoughts in the creation of this kite story and why it's called kite at all. Really, it you know having to do with there's no such thing as as pure good or pure evil. That there's more you know dark morality and gray areas in all people and that's something he kind of wanted to explore with this that's what he said i don't know that (laughs) he's full of shit right i know yeah 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 yeah. hard sell you look at the work and you go really i don't know that's like looking at nascar and say i just want to look at the 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 physics of cars taking an elliptical track and see how they 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 affect humanity. Fuck you. <laughs> it's like seeing cars driving circles. Uh, yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, it's. But I wonder if that was more of a translation issue because I can see him 
you know, like story wise, selling it to Saya and the other dude, you know, that they're doing a service, you know, by getting rid of the worst of the worst, despite the fact that the detective and the other guy that's looking in two totally different directions were just as scummy oh. as they were executing. Yo, I, when when uh, they were talking about Kincaid, King, mm-hmm. not Kincaid, what is, they, what is his name? Connie? Connie, Connie. I said that. Oh, Connie, yeah. So when, you, when they're all talking after the, the second round of executions, or I'm sorry, assassinations. Assassinations, that's right. Right. After they're talking about after that, the first thing he says is, you stink, Mr. Akai. And I was like, he must smell like the way Kanai looks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Okay, uh, <laughs> we don't waste much time. Uh, you do this this initial assassination in the elevator thing. It's a little bit of downtime. And then we, we don't waste any time getting straight to the pedophilia or Fenophilia, depending on how you look at this. It's like six minutes in, we get to our first explicit sex scene. Akai is a sick fuck, but Nia is the fucking worst. And his derpy eyes are unsettling. Everything about that character is is vile. Mm-hmm. The, Disney room, the Disney room needs to go. We need Fucking to set that room on fire. That, that, that weird, room. goofy all over the place? Yes. The Disney He's... room needs to get set on fire. And um, when I f- when they first introduced this character, he's, is he eating fries that say Big Fat? Yes. Make Fat. Yeah. Make Fat. Make yeah, Fat. Make make fat. fat I, was right. like, <laughs> I was like, wait. And then they show him and I go, well, they're working. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, like his eyes are all weird yeah, they're, they're his face all derpy, is look, yeah. he looks like he's allergic to the make fat fries but he's still eating them so they're I don't know what's happening <laughs> 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 that's what it looks like he looks like he's eating the fries and he's allergic so everything is just swelling and oh I don't gosh. know what he happened. was just keeping an eye on both directions and make sure there's no one that's coming out to steal his fries yeah, I, I don't. I want to. I want to say that this character was designed to be unsettling. That he's designed to make you grossed out in every facet. And then he had a scar around his face too, right? Yeah, like like he peeled his face off and replaced it with this one. Like I don't know what the fuck the deal was there. Because I I don't know who intentionally goes for the Marty Feldman look, but there you go. No, he, and when uh, Oberi. It's something about he did this one look when a bird tells him, "Hey, I'll try to be on time again." He looks like 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 a dirt. Right, like one of his looks like it moves. The other one just still looks in the corner like a gecko. Right, like he saw something and he's like, "I'm gonna get that fly." That's what the, you know. Mrs. Crawley from Sing. <laughs> right. You know, think about this. We we it's agreed that he is not the the most attractive person. <laughs> a little bit. He is. We'll agree with that statement, right? Yeah, okay, I think yeah. it's safe to say. We can agree on that, but he he is a walking sign that I am a bad guy, and whoever is with me is a bad guy. Like that's what you know. Yes, right. he does. 
That's what I said. His Disney room needs to be set on fire. Yeah. With him in it. Yes. Yes. So what what we don't have no articles about how he gave that one uh, uh, a sex scene, but Oberi was stuck with voyeurism. Oberi was stuck with forced voyeurism. Like, that was... Uh, yeah, that whole scene was fucked up. Yeah, I can't... No, I got nothing for you. That's why... So, uh, one of the notes I wrote later in, about this later in the anime, and I, I know we're jumping around, but this is the kind of film I think this is just how we're going to have to do this, is... I had trouble trying to decipher if he if Metsu was trying to titillate or disturb me. I think it was both. Based on on Yellow Star, I I'd like to think it's the earlier. I, I'm really hoping it's the latter. I'm really hoping he was trying to disturb me. I found myself wondering how did I get to the point where I don't know maybe because of the fact that. Uh, in the end, he gets his comeuppance. Yeah. But I think one of the things I had done was Sawa was not a, in high school. She was, in my opinion, I thought she was, she definitely had a body like she was in college. Right. Okay, so yeah. let, let's but talk it about it. started in high school. Let's talk about this. All right, here's the thing. Now, it doesn't take until the very last little bit of this anime, after the cuck scene where, you know, Obery is forced to watch Sawa get raped. Most coitus, it's the first time they imply Sawa's age. He states yeah. that she should drop out of college. So, meaning that, you know, she's been his ward for obviously a very long time if you compare it to the flashback footage. Mm -hmm. Now, in the very next scene, when he finds Kanye's body, he say that her parents were only murdered four years ago. Yeah, I think the college portion may have been a translation choice. I feel like that's the case. Because mm -hmm. under no circumstances are you going to convince me that the girl in those fucking horrifying flashbacks was 16. That girl was not a 16-year-old version of a girl. I think you're right, Vic. I think they threw the word college in to try and skew all of this later into life to make it less fucking mm -hmm. horrible. So, which, which brings me to my second point of of this is that I can't tell you how many uh films in the 80s right if you think about I'm not talking about porkies but I'm talking about stuff like um revenge of the nerds yeah no not necessarily revenge of the nerds because they're they're in college okay. but right, so the high school, like 16 candles science yeah. any other friday the 13th movies right these are teenagers that are getting getting their freak on. Yeah, getting the freak on. You know, we were in this fuck pony was was, was, was hot songs, and we weren't doing that. That was in high school, and we were subjected to that. Sure, but at some point, I had not made the ten about. This is some R. Kelly shit going on right now. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And it, and if you and in defense of, of us, we were within the realm of what might have been considered a target demographic for that. We were teenagers. So the concept of being attracted to teenage girls is perfectly acceptable as a teenager. Now as you're an teenager. adult. Now you're an adult and you come back and you watch this and you go, 
well, this is fucked up. Like, you might have gotten a sense that it was kind of fucked up, like when you watched it back in 1998, 99. Now you come at it like this and you go, no, this is really fucked up. This is next level fuckery. Uh, I guess we can go ahead and answer the question. Does it hold up? No. Nah. No, we're good. Oh, here's the thing. The cut, the international cut, which is the censored version of the movie, I think that version holds up. I will agree with that. I will agree with that. I feel like sex scenes... The movie, with the exception of the sex scenes, the movie itself wasn't bad. I agree. It's just the sex was highly uncomfortable. And, and unnecessary. None of it move, moves the plot forward. It was uh, published by Green Bunny, which is primarily a hentai publisher. So, hundred percent, no, no, I, absolutely. I, I think think the edited version of this is a perfectly acceptable film that tells a dark story, the maybe ambiguous ending, but, but it, it's a it's a it's a decent story. It's a dark story, but it's it's entertaining. The action scenes are really good, animation's really good, really yeah. great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I feel like the sex scenes, of course, to a teenage version of me might have been titillating as an adult version. I'm like, this is gross. That's, I think that's the difference. It could also be used as the fuel to figure out why um, Sawa wants to brutally murder them, other than the fact that they are very bad people anyways. Um, <laughs> I, I, I felt... I felt like Akai answered the question of what happens when a pimp turns his girls out to actually kill his competition rather than um, just keep doing what he's doing. So (laughs) that's what I felt like. It's like, you know, he's sitting one day going, I got too much competition. Why don't I just turn one of these girls into a serial killer and murder people? Oh, great. Now Now the clients or his competition and he's still able to do this other stuff. But it, I felt like, I felt like while the sex scenes weren't needed to move the story along, they were needed to show that this chick has a reason. To well, they were kind of needed for green bub bunny to actually publish it. <laughs> now here's the thing though. It, it, let's do devil's advocate and say that, he had to add the sex scenes for Green Bunny for for the Bunny people to 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 do it. That means that if no matter what genre it was, like say, heaven forbid, Super Dimensional Fortress Macross was released on this, it would have been a completely different. Hey, hey, hey! Do not compare. <laughs> you know, throwing Macross towards Green Bunny. Well, I, I got to keep our quota. I don't think That's we right. said it. No, look, I I hear you. I hear you. Like you're, but you're talking about it. Let me see if I, I follow your logic here. You're talking about it from the perspective of it, how dramatically this product changed by the forced sexual scenes. Yes, understood. Mm-hmm. And, and I I think that I agree with you, Lynette. That narratively, it helps establish Akai as a far greater monster, and mm-hmm. he would be without them. I feel like it's glorifying it a bit because they just drag out. Like you can do sex scenes in a way that are disturbing, unsettling. That's not how these were done. That is true. The flashbacks, 
were would have been better. Agreed. The flashbacks were disturbing. What what was the most disturbing part of the sex scene for you? Like, if you look at the scene itself, and are you saying that based on what other characteristics other than the pedophilia? What I else? It goes into the flashbacks during the sex scene, showing the younger version of her. That that scene, I agree, is is sort of important because it's it's a graphic sex scene where Sawa's. I want to say she's using Akai at this point. Like she's like weaponizing herself to prepare for what she's about to do. She's doing it yeah. to save Obery. Right? Mm -hmm. So I get that. And then the this flashes to her in her youth that helps elevate that that bit of material. It helps make that a, a more important moment. The other stuff, yeah, didn't need we a scene, man. Yeah, did, the Disney room didn't need to. That uh, we didn't need it. We no. didn't need it. Can That's I tell you? What was the most disturbing, one of the disturbing things about it for me? The jazz flute. <laughs> sure. Because it, it, no, but you're not wrong, okay? Because that is an attempt to, to sexualize the scene, to, to make it more, I don't know, intimate. And it's not. It's supposed to be unsettling. And song choice matters. Well, and, and I think the reason why it's why it's like say something like uh like when we're again we know that we have covered music in great detail, but this is one of those times where I, it's, it's the that jazz flute felt, felt so separated from any type of music they could have chosen for conformity, right? So when you're looking at the at the rules of jazz, is we're making music, but it follows no rules. It doesn't follow the uh, structure, time structure. It really is the most selfish of expression that I could think of, if, if that makes sense. No, oh, I do. I get it. And that's, and that's the thing about it, if I can piggyback on that. That's the thing about it that makes me think, Metsu was trying to titillate with these scenes, not disturb. Because everything about the blocking, about the storyboards, about the music choice, about the way it's voice acted, everything about it is meant to, meant to be a sex scene, not a rape scene. Right. And I feel like that does the whole story a disservice and is... That I think that unsettled me more. The idea that he wanted me to be aroused by it—that's I think that's where I was bothered. It, it it definitely does feel like an erotic look at Stockholm syndrome. Sure, sure, that's a great way to look at it. Um, I I wrote a lot of notes in here about Kai's control over Sawa. How he clearly had a, a roadmap on how he did this and how sure of his control of her when she gets mad at him later at Obery and, and, and not about Obery I forgot what she was mad at him about and she she okay, storms the off the earring and, and oh the earring thank you and then he's she storms off and he's like don't be late like see you soon like he was so confident in his control of her that even losing that earring didn't bother him and her being mad about it didn't bother he didn't even think for a second that he'd lost control of her which me made him scarier because it it, mm -hmm. it it implied it, this isn't maybe his first rodeo. Sawa may be the latest 
in a line of kites. Oh wow, that's a that is a well, he did hint tracks. On, he did hint on that at the end when he was when they were talking about you know killing Aburi. He was like, "Don't worry, I already have someone lined up." Mm -hmm. and he clearly had already started working the the, the basketball girl. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because he'd converted her. It's a wish. Instead of trying to get me hard watching a you know that sex scene earlier in the movie or Kanye's weird Disney fuck that they could have excised that and put in some more information about that about the way he manipulates and controls these girls to make them his to own them because that's what it's about right it's his his, his little dolls and those manipulation tactics like giving her the earrings and making those representations of her mother and father and you know all of that, that shit like that's he's trying to make a film that shows the dark side of people that's the route you go yeah. if you're gonna do a sex scene you make it as unsettling as possible because that's the point mm -hmm. you know i was thinking to myself that kite was not the best word you know what I'm saying? I, 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 I thought I, I, I was really looking forward to doing our... Name exercise? Uh, uh, to the better name for the anime. Yeah, right, right. But as we're looking at it, you do see these wonderful... Like, if you're looking at a kite, you are looking at the beauty of it, at its flowing, at its soaring. But what happens if you put the, pipe, the kite in the hands of a monster? Sure. Yeah, it can come crashing down. It can, you know. Take an eye out. So the thing about the kites, right, and the name. So kites are controlled and manipulated by strings. Control them with strings until those strings are cut or they get tangled in the strings and they come crashing down or you cut the strings and they, they fly away, they drift off. But that's apparently one of the, the reasons they chose to name it kite because it's sort of about him controlling, you know, this kind of thing. Also, kites are birds of prey, and Sawa shares a lot of personality traits with the bird of prey. Her eyes are kind of orangey-red, which is a kite bird. That's Their eyes are that color. She sort of tilts her head sometimes, almost like a bird of prey is, you know, preparing. And how she perches herself, like right after that first kill, she like perches herself up on the cityscape at the beginning of the opening mm -hmm. act. All of these things are sort of meant to invoke the idea of a bird of prey, the kite. Yo, the the first time after she jumps off the building and she lands yeah. and it's panning up to her face and then she looks, I see that now. I see mm -hmm. the bird there. So yeah, sort of double meaning in all of this. Um, you know, I know that uh, apparently the the physical control of the kite is sort of the, the main titular, titular metaphor. I saw a lot of the bird of prey in her character. I thought that was uh, an interesting odd. And you know, the thing about this, it, we, it's something else you think about when we're talking about the kite, is most times when you think of the puppet on the string, you think of the puppet going down. Right. The kite is the other way. The, it goes up, but it's still controlled on strings. Yeah. yeah, it's like a reverse puppet. Because you're not the only thing in control. You're you're controlling it against the environment. Yeah. Yeah. So if anything, you're restricting it from doing what it's intended to do. Like, you know, 
she did not. She could have lived without this. She did not want to actually be doing this, unless she. It doesn't really say that she's actually looking for the killers of her parents. No, because she knows. Like you find that out later, right? When over when uh, she sent to kill Obrey, which by the way we we definitely want to talk about here because I'm a little little on this one. So she goes to visit Obrey. She draws her gun on him. And she confesses that Akai wants Obery dead. She doesn't do it, right? Because I guess at that point, they've made this pact that they're going to get out together kind of thing. Akai must not have told Anie because the very next day, he's sitting with him getting a new job. New Mark. Granted, that Mark was a SWAT member, but no, he didn't know that. There are levels to this. He wanted, he wanted him to, look, if this doesn't work, well, if, if, if Sawa doesn't do it, I have the SWAT. If SWAT doesn't do it, I have the basketball girl. Mm-hmm. Right? But he just really wanted this dude dead. Yeah. And it was, I don't know, it's interesting. But but isn't it interesting that he felt it necessary to have contingencies in place when he was so confident in his control of Sawa? Sorry, maybe she was just a warning. Like, I don't know, maybe she wasn't supposed to. That's just me being optimistic, but I don't sure. really think that's the case. Wouldn't it have been great if we could have explored that instead of watching Kanae get fucked? <laughs> sure. Um, I was going to say, though, um, it wasn't so fat, his confidence. It's like, what if she would have failed against uh, Ubudi? Okay, fair enough, fair enough. All right. I, I can go with that. I can get behind that. Can we talk about how wonderful Sawa's drip, it, it, how, how beautiful she's drawn? Oh, yeah. This, uh, mm-hmm. The anime's gorgeous. Metsu's art style is very cool. It's very unique. This, it's surreal. It doesn't, like, a lot of his work doesn't go full anime. It's it's very manga-esque. Um, and Sawa's a gorgeously rendered character. But so was Yane, the character from Yellow Star, or Mizuki, the character from Mezzoforte. Like, a, a, he has a thing for rendering young girls. Whether that's good or bad is subject of discussion. Obori's <laughs> eyes, oh my gosh. Whenever they did the zoom in on those, I was like, those are beautiful. Nicely done. You know what I felt like when I saw them both together? I felt like I was looking at like Twilight, the assassin. You know what I'm saying? They had <laughs> Edward and Bella that, that stare. Oh. Are you bringing that up? I'm I'm annoyed that you brought in Twinkling Vampires into this. <laughs> you realize we're gonna have to link to this shit in the show notes now. You're not supposed to do that. <laughs> oh, in my f- Andrea, yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> no. Uh, no. Vampires don't I... sparkle in the sun; they catch fire and explode. Sorry. <laughs> so there's talking about her relationship with him and his control over her and how his yeah. contingencies and all that. I skipped over the part where she lets Obery know that she's all f- already fully aware that the two of them killed her parents. Yeah. She's known for some time. So then like you were talking about Brian, is it Stockholm? Is she just in because she's in or is she in because she's been plotting for fucking ever? to get her revenge because i i gotta think it's stockholm because she's already an able-bodied killer 
If she really wanted to do it, she could have done it a long time ago. Avenge her parents. I'm I'm thinking it's her relationship with Ovary that convinces her that maybe there's a life for her outside of that world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That maybe with his help, you know, there was a chance to actually pull it off. Right. And that, that made me ask the question, like, what the fuck was she doing on the escalator that day? Because that's when she met Obery was after he assassinated the three right. businessmen pedos. She was the and she was the support. He was his support. Yeah, he was supposed to take out one, and the other two were supposed to be taken out by Saya. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay. I didn't quite catch that. So thank you, thank you for mm-hmm. clearing that yeah, up. Yeah, she was a support. Cool, cool, cool. I all right, now now we get to talk a little bit about one of my favorite bits, which is the the bathroom fight, the bathroom <laughs> fight scene with Mister P Willis. Yes, the Bruce Willis twins. That's right. I'm going with Bruce Willis. That's what I'm going with for this because this contract was P Willis. So Bruce Willis and Bruce Willis <laughs> making a leak. <laughs> and this is probably the coolest action scene in the whole damn movie. Oh, for sure. It's so great. It's so visceral. I loved it. That's the that's a perfect word. And it, you know, if if <clears throat> When you look, when you look at like uh, fight choreography, right, in like live action movies, when they're using, you know, the doors or or they slam their head down into the toilet, you know, it's that level of visceralness that's like, oh my god, they're completely aware of their surroundings and they're using it to their advantage. It's that same thing, but animated form and. He goes ham. You know what it reminded me of? Uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. The bathroom. Yes, fight. yes. <laughs> I loved it. I loved that whole sequence. I thought it was great. And what was really funny to me is I watched this uh, in Japanese. I didn't. I guess I never knew that the scene was in English, mm-hmm. even in the Japanese version, which was kind of cool. <laughs> It definitely gave me that. I, I just did not want to offend uh, Tom Cruise, you know, a long-time listener. So <laughs> I'm, I'm st- we're still waiting for him to invite us to be in Mavic 3. He is a, he's a big fan, and we're always happy to hear from him. Um, so we're talking about, uh, and I love that she killed the wrong one. And I love that. It, for me, it was ambiguous the whole time. I'm like, wait a minute, which one is she supposed to kill again? Is the mole on the left or the right? She had two photos. Remember a mole, right? And like she had two photos, and both of them got mole. Fuck, I don't know. So then she killed the one, and I'm like, okay, good, she got him. And I'm like, wait a minute, no. And then she didn't get him. I'm like, fuck, you killed the wrong Willis. <laughs> Damn it, Sawa. So that is where the the first one ends, and it ends on by far one of the best moments I've ever seen in the anime. Where the guy grabs her and then jumps out the window. Seriously. <laughs> and then she by far has the best reaction. You know, she screams, which is what she would do. It's not something like, okay, I need to start. Oh, shit. <laughs> no, it's great. And here's the thing about that scene. All right, so it is the most John Wick-esque fall, like, ever. Mm-hmm. Like, she grabs onto a thing and then the thing breaks and then she falls, but she's falling on him and then they hit a car and then it breaks through and it hits a truck and then that breaks they through. They break through the subway. <laughs> I'm 
most cartoonishly John Wick bullshit I've ever seen. It was hilarious, and I loved it. <laughs> it, it's clearly his anime physics because she should have been dead as well. Oh, splatter! Oh my god, she should have died at least four times in that fall. <laughs> the whole exploding. It, if anything, she, she may have killed the wrong Willis, but she turned into Bruce Willis when she had a diehard explosion and she gets thrown right back up. And, and the first thing, damn. Hurt. Out of the hole and into a mattress. <laughs> so what I loved about that that bit is when she's hanging off the edge, the crater she's just created, and and the tanker goes up. There's a the explosion, but it doesn't get to her right away. At first, you you see this moment where all of her clothing and her hair start to elevate from the shock wave that's coming up towards her, and the color tone mm-hmm. starts to shift. It is so cool the way they did it. Is really well animated, like. Oh fuck! Here it comes. You get like a half a second of here it comes, and then she she gets catapulted, and then her eyes go big too because yeah. she knows something's happening. She it just was goes good. Oh. I yes. really really enjoyed that whole oh. sequence. So now here comes a fun mindless midlife musing for you. This uh, that scene, not the explosion part, but the whole bathroom brawl, was uh, recreated by the band No Doubt for their music video for Ex Girlfriend. <laughs> Yeah, apparently the director of the music video was a fan of Kite and decided to recreate several of the scenes from Kite in their ex-girlfriend music video, including Make Fat, you know, like sitting there at the bench while the other person gets the contract thing like that. I was in there and then the whole the whole bathroom sequence, like there's the big brawl in the bathroom kind of thing. They totally do that Uh, out the window. They do that. It's it's really it's kind of funny to go back and watch the music video after having seen the anime because you go, damn, really just just said, you know what, we're gonna just copy this as much as possible. <laughs> it's fun. I'll I'll try and include it in the show notes too for those of you listening. It's it's worth checking out. And you can just find it on YouTube. To answer the question, the ultimate question about the end of this anime, right? So at the end of this anime, uh, Obery falls prey right, to his own replacement, had been hinted at earlier and then Asawa's waiting for him in her apartment in his apartment you hear the floor creak and you kind of hear the door she turns and that's where they cut to the end and you're meant to imply or decide how you want it to end kind of thing um does she survive does she not survive answer is she survives and I know this because she has a cameo in the next anime so she's walking by (laughs) she walks right by stops gives the camera basically a wink and keeps going She's fine. You don't have to worry about it. She survived. <laughs> Obery did not, though, right? No, Obery dead as fuck. Obery's <laughs> very dead. That felt more departed. That felt like he came. Oh, yeah. The whole, you're, you're looking for it, and then next you know. And it makes you wonder whether or not Obery weaponized the girl's hatred for him himself. By shooting well, the- you know, the director of basketball. I mean, he is a dick to basketballs. We got to give him that. I don't know, man. I I think that, and apparently this got made into a series, Kite Liberator, which I never saw. Um, yeah, it's it, only an hour long. Really? The whole freaking series is only an hour long? Kite Liberator is an hour long. For Pete's sake, so it's not a series. It's a, like a sequel. It's an OAV. Yeah, it is a sequel. It takes place 10 years later. I was going to say, it doesn't even star Sawa. It's a new character. But Sawa's in it. Okay. A little Heck, after, she's on the cover. A little after our timeline for coverage, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I think I might want to check it out. Another 
using they actually made a live action version of this. Right. Samuel Jackson. Right. So I wanted to talk about this, Brian, because you actually you fell on the sword for us. You watched this. I did homework. Yeah, I'm very proud of you. He watched the live action kite with Mr. Samuel L. Fucking Jackson. And I, I, I'm I'm convinced that Sam did not give a fuck about this one. He I, I believe that he had some debts he had to pay. <laughs> Which is hilarious because I think if I remember correctly, he pushed for this. He probably, pushed for it. Probably a fan of the anime. He's the also anime. a huge fan of kite. Yeah, this anime has a lot of fans. So here's the thing, though. This, uh, so the first thing you want to know about this is that they remove any of the the assassination story storyline, okay, and replace it with human trafficking. Okay, so a little bit of Yellow Star, but mostly kite kind of thing, because she ends up a human leave at the end of uh yellow star now what about what about the whole sexual predator thing that's not part of it either he is no they are really the, the predator is not a, at the very you, know, you can spoil this right like i mean you know that's the whole point of this show that you can just say shit like <laughs> uh, no, i'm trying to figure out the best way to say it and <laughs> Is apparently he's the one that was again responsible for the death. Okay, but he doesn't do it. He, her her control is not even Samuel Jackson controlling her. She's the one that's pursuing the 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 person that is ultimately responsible for her parents' death. So they okay. they make another layer above Samuel Jackson, and they make Samuel Jackson feel like he's more of a. Uh, He's a lackey. Okay. He's a pawn. He's a fall guy. But this is prob- the problem with this is that it comes, this was released in 2014. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for you to go from being Nick fucking Fury and now you're going back to being a lackey. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. It, it, it doesn't translate well, first. Second, the girl who is trying, who's playing Sawa. Mm hmm. Uh, not the best. Not the best. She is all the trauma of Sawa, but none of the ruthlessness of anything. Okay. That's the this that's the bad part about it. The good part is this: they do some great jobs of recreating certain scenes in it. The first scene that you have is the elevator scene, and it's the old lady who looks the same and everything. All the way down to the, the the gunshot to the head. They don't waste with two two bullets. Special effects only had enough for one bullet. <laughs> that part had me hopeful. Sure. You know, it's uh, if you're familiar with the the Underworld series. Yeah. The in in the finale, the daughter of those two, she's the one that's playing Sawa. Okay. Yeah, India Isley. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I, I the idea of it was interesting to me, if only at the opportunity to expand more on the relationship the way I discussed about the anime that I wish would have done. Um, expanding on Akai's control over Sawa and, and that 
Well, things. It sounds like they just ignored that completely. But if anything, they make it seem like uh, almost want to say it feels like remorse from killing the parents, and he knows that the revenge is eventually going to wind up leading to him. Interesting. Okay. They have a think of it like an arms dealer above him called the Amir. And and the Amir is ultimately the angst for Sawa. And Sawa is the one that is driving the hits as opposed to the assassination route. So where she's, like, trying- she's like making her way down a list. It's like, you yeah, it's, there. it's revenge. It's, it's a fucking kill bill. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, that's too bad. Although funny that you mentioned Kill Bill because Tarantino also loved Kite did uh that was the, one of the musings i wrote down is that apparently such a fan of the film he made chiaka kuriyama watch that movie or that anime to prepare for her role as gogo kill bill yeah. don't know how it I, I i don't really see a huge correlation between those two things but it it was a note on the imdb i was like i'll share that one what the hell well if anything it does track because we don't know how go uh, gogo could be in the college, but she's definitely supposed to be. She was a visceral uh, combatant so, in the movie. Yeah. So here's here's my here's my my take on that. When I read that that musing, was okay. So Quentin Tarantino, grown ass man, took this kite anime and handed it to this young actress Chiaka Kuriyama and said, "Watch this to prepare for your role." My first thought is, dear God, what version did he make her watch? In <laughs> second. <laughs> Is Quentin Tarantino Mr. Akai? Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. That's a um, very good question. <laughs> so it's just, it, it took, I was taken aback. I'm like, damn, dude. Like, could have had her watch The Professional or, or La Femme Nikita or Long. Like, there's a million other ones you could have made her watch. People don't, people don't give Long Kiss Goodnight enough credit. Long Kiss Goodnight is Point a, no a, return. Long yeah, Kiss Point and No Return. Long Kiss Goodnight is a fucking work of art, and I will die on that hill. I love oh, that Oh, yeah. I love that one. <laughs> I have that on Laserdisc. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Points. I love it. Even, even Gina Davis, I'll say, is, is underrated as an action star. I even liked her in uh, Cutthroat Island, but Whatever. I will. I will argue that Cutthroat Island, and this is not what this is. We have gone off the rails here, but real quick, I will argue that Cutthroat Island was a blockbuster that came too early. If it had been released somewhere around the time of the Pirates Caribbean movie, it would have been a hit. Oh yeah. So it was ahead of its time. But moving on, let's circle Long back time. to Kite. Back to the movie. All right. Full so this uh, sends very well for Akai, very karmically. <laughs> Get some. Explosive bullet to the cock. It was beautiful. I was like, oh, yep, you deserve oh, yeah. that. He deserved every single shot he got. Shots yeah, fingers, a chest, <laughs> the standard Robocop shot, all of it. And the thing of it is, is that after you know she kills him, it's after that that Overy dies. Now it makes me wonder about this young girl that's been left behind, right? Her handler is gone. And and so's Kanye, he's gone. So it's now, if anything, I, I would hope Liberator would have gone down that road to finding out well, what happens to this girl who's been trained to be a killing machine, but now has no handler. Just I was, I was it was a thought I had, and I wrote, I, I thought, man, that's that's the sequel that could have been made. I'd like to say for the record that I've actually started doing more research and uh, 
when when it comes to looking at the background stuff because apparently okay. we have some wonderful experts on the panel. <laughs> <laughs> Just a bunch of nerds, buddy. Just a bunch so, of nerds. <laughs> so I have a couple of my list music myself. Please. <laughs> yeah. So back back when Obi destroys the basketball, mm-hmm. they actually have Led Zeppelin and graffiti. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. I love it. Another one is that I don't know if you noticed this, but the first time you see the earrings and the light catches it, it actually has like a kaleidoscope effect on her mm-hmm. face. Yes, it was very well done. I loved it. Good catch, Brian. Very proud okay, of you. Okay. All right, all right. Another one I had. Damn, I'm doing pretty good. Shit, shit, yeah, shit. You're rocking it. Assassination attempt happens, and then it's that little scene before we get to the Bachikawawa. And they have this kind-hearted piano that is playing that is so off-putting. <laughs> like they're having a, a, a fun little soft moment. Yeah. So like so after they kill the three people, yeah, you know, the piano's just playing and they're just like, just walking. And I was like, huh. And then it goes into it, it, it's yeah. What I uh, one of the things I liked was after that, after they kill the three the three pedos, and I and they're and he is in front of the computer, and he's obviously doing something in the computer related to the client list, and he's typing like. So was he looking at the computer, or was he looking around the computer? <laughs> Good point. Um, and he's typing like seven hundred words a minute. The only thing happening on screen is yes, the word completed or like yeah, like. We'd finish this contract. We finish this. I'm like, dude, are you coding all of this live? Right. It's an awful no. lot of typing for very little happening on the screen. No, it makes perfect sense because because of the eye position, all that typing is him backspacing and deleting. <laughs> missing the key. autocorrect. <laughs> all that is him deleting just to make sure you. He's like, him. ah, spelled it wrong. 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 <laughs> So, so P. Willis is actually Bruce Willis. He just kept missing the B. <laughs> Keyboard. So I do have a question about that office. Oh. Are those real live pictures? Yes. Of, of dead yes. bodies? on the wall. On the wall? Real photos oh. that they used, on, on which was like, an interesting... Like real people. Yeah, of like real crime scenes. It was very disturbing. <laughs> yeah. I had to like pause it and go, is that drawn? That looks too... That's a real picture. Yeah. <laughs> so can we, we we mentioned that the directors uh same name one more time for the for the people? Metsu, uh first name. Well, Metsu uh Yasuomi. Yeah, yes. Naruto Uzumaki. Him. <laughs> and one. Uh, Mr. Uzumaki, he uh was on Akira. Yeah, he was an animator on the staff for Akira. Can let's just muse real quick. What scene did he animate? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I don't know. What what's what's your what's what's, what's you know your based based on my exposure to his body of work, I'm guessing it was when Cowrie got punched in the fucking face. That's what I'm going with. Right. It, it feels like that's the best one. That's probably yeah. <laughs> How would you know, Brian? You never finished watching the whole movie. <laughs> I saw that part. I was awake for that bit. Um, it was nipple. It wasn't with a vagina. I was in. His work in Megazone uh, 2 3 Part 2 was 
was obvious. The character design work was was on him. It looked great. He's he's very talented. And his work on Sol Bianca, like his DNA is there. You can see it. Mm-hmm. So no, he's like I said, he's earlier, he's got a hell of a filmography. What would be the um in regards to the sex scenes? Yeah. If there if if there was a phrase to describe I it, it feels like I want to try to, the only way I can say is this, is that when, in regards to how endowed he made the characters. Oh, horse cocks? Yeah, it, it felt like, it, like, if it fits, I sit. <laughs> Everybody is three times the size of Sawa. <laughs> Apparently. Sawa's like the tiniest human to ever exist. Right. And and every man is engorged with a, a forearm sized penis. That's kind of the that's kind of like my problem with all of it. It was so everything about the sex scenes was so I shudder to use the word pornographic because yes, it's pornography, but it's not what it was supposed to be, right? The if the intention was to be horrifying, you film it differently. Pornography is pornography is done in such a way to as to as titillate the viewer, right? The angles right. chosen, the 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 way the girl is positioned, all of those things are are done in such a way as to to titillate the viewer, to get you enticed by watching it, to get you aroused. Whereas if you watch a scene that is about rape or is about sexual assault, it is filmed in such a way as to unsettle you. The angles are more visceral. The action is, is, the music is more frightening. Everything about it is done in such a way as to elicit the emotion that what you are seeing is horrible. Everything about the sex scenes in Kite is done with the implication that he's trying to arouse you. That's the problem with them. And in, in case, ladies and gentlemen, in case you don't, you, you don't know, uh, out of all, out of the panel, Richard is clearly the best lover out of all of us. <laughs> sure, I'll take that win. Absolutely. The, the um, man knows all about lighting positions. There's no, <laughs> no turn the lights off. No, no, no. I want <laughs> to see the beauty of our union. <laughs> <laughs> Either that or I just watched a lot of porn. And, <laughs> It is at this moment that Andrea started throwing up. <laughs> oh man! But yeah, that's I think that's my ultimate takeaway. In fact, I'm going to use that as my final thought: is that that this film didn't deliver on what it said it was trying to do. Uh, it try instead it it tried to guise titillation as horror or something frightening, when in fact its goal was very clear. If you look at it. You just basically just look at it. If they were if they were trying to elicit an emotion, that emotion was erotic, not fearful or frightful or horrified. And those scenes detract from the story that could have been told here. Right without the sex is great. Which is a weird sentence to say. But it really is. It's a good anime that tells a dark story about a girl who is, like you said, Brian, Stockholm Syndrome into a world of becoming this killing machine and a sex toy to this horrible human being. And it's about her attempt to escape that world. That 
it's a great story sad one but a great one if you remove the sex when you put the sex scenes in do not support that narrative at all with the exception of the last one like lynette pointed out it makes the film worse yeah so so i feel like if you are gonna watch kite in this day and age you're better off picking up the cut version and experiencing it without that because i, I think you'll appreciate the story more and you will be titillated by the sex uh, so yeah, I guess at this point, uh, let's, let's continue to wrap up Vic. Um, I'll turn it over to you, buddy. What, what are your thoughts on kite now? It's still a great movie. Uh, I think you should watch the international release version, which is the cut version. It's the less disturbing to watch, <laughs> but other than, like I said, like we've discussed, you know, it had some great action sequences. The whole bathroom fight with P Willis was <laughs> top tier, even from, you know, a studio that's primarily known for hentai. And it it's just frustrating that because usually when you want an uncut version of the film, it's usually the violence is too heavy or something else, and it's not what we got. <laughs> yeah, I'd say definitely just stick with the regular international cut and call it a day because it's it's great. Cool. Uh Lynette, if it's okay, I would like to take it over to you. Had you you I assume never seen Kite before. Never saw Kite before. Fantastic. So, yes. take us away. Elevator scene. I was like, all right, I can get into this. Two seconds later, I'm like, ooh, what, what's going on? <laughs> that was the first, that was sex scene A. Sex scene B was the Disney scene. And I was like, that room needs to be set on fire. And I don't know what this has to do with any other part of the movie. So, I think I kind of like blacked that out. <laughs> uh, the rest of it was great. Like, the, the art. Uh, like I said, over Ovary's eyes, anytime they zoomed in on those, I was just like, oh. that's like, that's like chick porn for me right there. It's just like, oh, it <laughs> 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 was they were very, very, very good eyes. And then, uh, and then like the last, the last sex scene, I was like, mm. but then I saw all the flashbacks. And I was like, okay, she's about to do something crazy because you could see. She went into like crazy eye mode the whole time. So I was like, okay, that's what I noticed about Sawa too. Is like every once in a while, her eyes would go in that crazy mode where they go more red, you know, when she's about to either kill someone or is having really, really bad thoughts about killing someone. I noticed that her eyes kind of turn. And so when she, you know, I love those parts and she's, that was good. I, I, Probably will try to look for the international version just to cut out the other stuff and see see how much better it is. But yeah, I would definitely jump on that that train of watch the international release. You don't need to see the extra stuff. Thank you, thank you, and I, I agree. Yeah, one of the things that's cool is how there is uh, there are two characters living in Sawa. There's that killing mm -hmm. machine, and then there's the girl, and and she's mm -hmm. like flirtatious with the with the Pringles bottles and she's having a good time with ovary. Like there's that version of her. And then there's that other one that held the head tilt and the empty gaze version that you just go, Oh, okay. So yeah. Ex I love that. Excellent note. Brian, my friend, this was, uh, this was an interesting one for us to watch. Wouldn't you say, what do you, what do you think about kite now? So I actually have, uh, three different final thoughts about it. And they can go in three different ways, right? 
And I'm telling you, it's going to go from bad to worse. <laughs> Great. I'm glad you set us up. Go for it. <laughs> All right. So the first one is in regards to the uncut, right? Sometimes you just don't need the foreskin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christ, that needs to be an episode title. <laughs> in, in, in the world of dick pics, Let's just go ahead and say that get, receiving a dick pic with an uncut dick may not be the thing you want to see. <laughs> That's the first one. <laughs> all right, all right, shall we proceed with the second one? Go ahead. All right. If Wait. you really want to... It's a minute. I think you broke Rick. I had to mute my mic because I was laughing out loud. <laughs> oh. Brian, that may be the best way to describe it. <laughs> you don't need the you don't need the rest, but I, I'm just by all means, please continue. All right. The second one is if I had to give a name a, a, a real life name to this movie of somebody who's actually a person, I would say this is the Harvey Weinstein of anime. You can't deny the good <laughs> shit that he has done, but the person pulling the strings is a fucking dirtbag. Yes. You know, yeah. you want to give a wonderful message, and is that message really best delivered by Harvey Weinstein? <laughs> <laughs> right? So, that's the, that's the, uh, that's the second one. The third one, I'm losing. I'm losing the uh, intensity of what I want to say, but it's impossible to separate. And, and and I think they did it by design. It's impossible to separate the good things that they have done in this movie, and and say that this is a one-off or the studio made me do it or anything like that. He needs to accept personal responsibility for what he did. I'm not, again, is he wrong for what he did? No, he animated it. He he designed the characters. This is the motif that he has. This is him. I would feel better if he just said, hey, this is me. These are the things you're going to be getting from me. As opposed to making these films, drawing them, putting the amount of work that I don't want to draw this. I don't know one artist that draws something that they don't want to be shown to the world and say, well, they made me do it. I don't, I don't think that's the way it works. So I, I can't give him passes for, for the savagery that he tried to mix in with some message of what? And ultimately, there was no redeeming message in this. The person who was pulling the strings was a dirtbag. The person who was supposed to save her winds up getting killed. She is still attacked at the end. And throughout the entire thing, she's raped the entire time. How are we supposed to feel? It's like the people pulling the strings were just as scummy as the people that were picked out to be assassinated. Right. Right. And no, and, 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 that that comment about the people pulling the strings, 
that goes into into the anime production itself. Fumetsu isn't responsible. Let's let's give him a pass on this. Let's say he's not responsible. Let's say he did the you know what we agreed to earlier. Let's let's give him this one and say that he did do this under duress and didn't want to add sex scenes to the story. Okay, the production company still did then. But basically, he's trying to say that he saw it. He's trying to pass the buck. No, no, I get it, and I I think it's bullshit. I can't verify that statement. I've seen it in two places online, but none of them have a source cited. Mm-hmm. Can't verify that statement. That's the problem. Early days of the internet. Yeah, I can verify a lot of the other information we've talked about in this episode, but I I can't verify that comment. All I can do is look at a pattern of behavior with his other work. Make an educated guess that that statement is probably false. Yeah, he's not Sawa. He's a cop. And and Sawa, whether she be college-aged or not, clearly was not when she started in this story. And Mm -hmm. those scenes are are drawn and done in such a way to invoke emotions that are antithetical to what he claims they were. Right. I agree with you, hundred percent. That's why I think if you're going to watch this, suggestion of the international cut is the only way. Mm-hmm. But even then, if you've listened to this episode and you choose to go watch this anime, you are knowingly watching this work, knowing what's been cut. It's like you've seen behind the looking glass. Now you've seen behind the curtain. Now the wizard is revealed. Oh, and he's an uncut dick. He's an uncut dick. That may be, maybe you're okay with that. Maybe you can do that. I, I can. I can, can just look at the work itself and, and remove the artist from the work, so to speak. I try to do that as much as I can. Unless a person weaponizes their notoriety to accomplish a goal, I, I feel like being able to disconnect the artist from the art is important. Um, because a lot more people than just him made this. You know, and I think that's one of the problems that you have is... You just said, back to the whole, you said the thing that you were supposed to be, that nobody was supposed to say. Right, 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 if, yeah. If it was a, 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 a bigger act of shock when she found out when, when Aubrey confronted her with a Kaiser one that killed her parents, and she responded with, oh my gosh, you have the proof? I've been looking for it. When, it's something that she was really, she said it with, uh, yeah, I can give two shits. I know, I you know, say I know he was the one to do it. And like, I'm fucking working. Oh, it doesn't even feel like there was never. It, it doesn't feel like there was ever a plan for her to take revenge on him. When other than when Aburi says is it, trying to get, get her out, but you're supposed to avenge him. So on your militia. So is the so then I know that you know we run long on this, but is that is that the ultimate thing though? Is that was it her own will that made her want to kill them in the end, or was it the fact that somebody was trying to save her from that world that gave her the strength to want to do it? Was she had, had she had she become acquiesced to this life, and Obery's attempt to save her made her go, oh, there is hope for me. Or was she planning it the whole time and just needed Overy to execute? First things first, Akai sent her at the Overy to keep him in the in, in in there. So basically, Akai was pimping her out, Lynette. That's the first thing. 
The second thing, Obery's the one that was asking the question of what did these guys do? She was just, okay, you got to kill him, right? Sawa herself just did the job, and it wasn't until somebody pointed out to her, hey, there's some questions you should be asking if you want to regain your soul. If that's not Stockholm Syndrome, I don't know what it is. And regardless of that, do you feel like, and I, I know we trailed off from your final thought, and I apologize for that, but do you feel like that represented it and represented enough to make it a worthwhile watch or do you feel that stains of this film are too much to get past we i'm torn because we live in a world where just because the medium exists out there doesn't mean that we need to participate in it i think i'm on record saying that it does not hold up and i'm not yeah. This is not something that I, I can actually stand behind. But this is the same guy that was watching it back in when he was 16. And there are certain things that I did not catch. You know, no, I never would have gotten down with someone who's raping somebody, even as a teenager. Right. I, there used to be virtue, you know, and, and the chivalry and the, the, the good guy. If you want to, there has to be a point where you draw a line in the sand and say, it doesn't matter where this comes from. And I think we've already done that already when it came to cool devices. Right. You know, we said, hey, listen, we were fucked up back then. Sure. You know, we're young and dumb. Young and dumb, but he knew better. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't like the, our, he was drawing that made it knew better. Yeah. So who are they trying to turn us into? And if you're realizing that somebody has a work like that and years have gone by, the only thing you find is two uncredited sources, I say you burn the motherfucker. Excellent piece of information to break down. I mean, we, you have to digest it, you know? Yeah. There's, this is uh, like, it's a beloved anime. But it may be one of those anime that is a rose-colored glasses kind of anime where you don't realize what you had watched when you watched it. And to revisit it is to experience it anew in such a way that maybe not paints it in such a positive light. It, my story has, has completely changed, Jen, from when I was in high school. In high school, I was a nerd. I was happy to see breasts. I was happy. Hell, I think just, we established that. Uh, sorry, I'm just. I, mean, I think we established that in the hentai episode. When when you're a teenage boy, there's a disconnect between the subject material and what you're seeing. You don't. You're not. You're you're seeing sex, and it's completely disjointed in your brain from what's happening around you. This is just a, it's a pubescent brain. It, it's not an excuse. That's, so, that's how we're wired. So what? As you get older, you get start learning words like trauma. Right, and, yeah. and you understand context a lot more. Right, and by understanding trauma, you understand that somebody who weaponizes trauma in this manner is the is the biggest piece of shit ever. Yeah, you the know? worst, the worst kind of human. The worst, the worst. Now, the the question is, Brian, do you feel that it's Umetsu? Or do you feel that he's trying to shine light on people like that? Um, I think that. Let's say let's say let's let's pause it for a second for a second that 
this is an actual uh, critique, right? Look at, we have somebody who's supposed to be a champion of the system, who's going around and not only causing trauma to somebody who's supposed to be the most vulnerable of all of, of, of humanity. Not only is he causing trauma to that person, he's exploiting it and then continuing to re-traumatize her. And this is the part we have not said. And I know we're past final thoughts. That's he fine. Said, this is how I get off. Yeah, yeah, he did say that. You're right. I don't think that... I, I, when you write words like that, you are choosing the words of it. And this character does not come from... You're pulling bits of... You're, you did that choice. Sure. To make that character say those words. So well, to be fair, Brian, just I, I don't mean to really interrupt. I just got to interject. Quick pause. To be fair, on translation, especially at the time, we don't know if the translation was accurate or if it was just a, local, a localization choice. Right, like the fact that she's in college. Right, so translation isn't always 100%. Notwithstanding. Notwithstanding. If, I, if right. I may, if I may. There are plenty of times where horrible... Horrible people are written by good people. In order to see see the light of something, you you have to be able to show the dark of something. Like, what is a what is a good hero without a good villain, right? an even better villain? So the worst of the worst. The the lead, mean the writer is the worst of the worst. It, 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 leave it at punching grandma. We have already said that he could have made the message without having to delve even more. Hundred percent. And. The problem is that he is exposing entire generations to his mindset. And the same way we Harvey Weinstein deserved to be crucified for his actions. Sure. Put that motherfucker up on the cross too. Gotcha. Because I now have to explain that to my kids. This is not the right way. And I have to say, you know what? Not only is this not the right way, but god damn. You just get exposed to so much more as you're older. To know that the R for entertainment needs to be raised to protect our most vulnerable. It has to be raised. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Brian, you want something to blow your mind right now? What's up? <laughs> so Green Bunny, right? The hentai company, right? So issues notwithstanding. Green Bunny is owned by a Japanese corporation called Happy Net, which owns the rights to a lot of TV anime, popular anime and everything, right? So it's the porn division of a legit anime company. And guess who owns that? Disney. If you say Disney, I'm going to jump out of a window. Bandai Namco. Bandai Namco? Oh, that is... Bandai Namco Holdings owns HappyNet, which owned Green Bunny when Green Bunny existed. We're talking about Tekken now. Yes. Or Dragon so Ball. there is a possibility or- of you one day in the far off future, you know, when it becomes idiocracy to have Heiachi versus Akai. So uh, that's, I mean, corporate synergy, whatever, you know, like the corporations doing what they're having subsidies. Look at Disney. Disney has Miramax and you know, they own Fox, which is its share of shit. So it, that, that now standing a division running it, running on its own independent of, Control mm-hmm. is not unheard of. I, I just wanted Brian, to bring that up. <laughs> no, Brian, I I agree with your thought that 
there are probably better ways to represent this. And hell, I was the one at the forefront to go, this film doesn't need a lot of the content that was in it, that it could have been represented in a very different way and still been just as effective. That the way it was represented was erotic in its attempt. And it, and it was an intentionally erotic thing. And that's, that's not good. But I, I am defending the film in the sense of, I think dark stories need to exist to show how bad things can be and or to give us an opportunity to say this is never who we're supposed to be. I think that yeah, those stories can be told. I, I'm not saying this was done successfully. I'm saying quite the opposite. This was a perversion of those thoughts. Um, Especially if there's a point where you actually make that statement. This is not who we're supposed to be. When well, when you kill the one per- the one person who had not done anything wrong, deviancy wise, and you cap that guy, I'm talking about the sexual in the sexual aspect of it. Right, right. He was held down and watched his love interest get raped, and what was his reward? Fuck. It's a it's a hundred percent a dark story. At what point are we supposed to say, you know what? It pays to be good. Well, if you think about it, this the, the the badness of the movie. The if you ignore the horrible sex scenes, you have to have that. It's kind of like why you'll watch a Disney princess movie, but you should also tell your your the Grimm's fairy tale version of it the same way, because you know you got to take the darkness of the grim fairy tale because that's actually telling a story to have the children learn it's dark it's scary it has a lot of you know like feet getting cut off and you know things like that that it's a very gruesome picture but then you have the disney versions where they kind of romanticize everything it's not as they make it fluffy you got mice who make your dress you got your pumpkins that come out out of magic but if you have too much of that, you lose track of the actual real life story, right? Mm-hmm. So if you, you have to have some of like what Rick said, you have to have some of that darkness. So the so when you are grown up and you are going out into that world, you don't see sparkling pumpkins and hope for mice to make your clothes and always just see good in things because someone's going to come around and bust you in the head. That's basically what's, you know, that's what... um that self-awareness of your environment, the knowledge that there are dark alleys, the knowledge that while we have the the niceness, we are going to have those pictures in the bathroom stalls that says, are you a victim of human trafficking? You know, if that's not real life, then you need to let people know, right? You can't just keep giving them the good stuff. You have to say, hey, here's the good stuff, but be aware. And finding that balance so that when the future generations go out, they're aware of the goodness of people, but they're also aware of the dangers. So you need both. And while I don't like the uncut version of this kite, I would say that discussion-wise, I think the international release would be a good one for discussion to bring up those questions about that dark side. Well, there is also the slightly cut version, which doesn't have uh the severe severe parts yeah right so there is a third option which has some of the hard stuff but not as dark as the uncut 
And this isn't this, this, this film isn't necessarily the hill to die on, or you no. know, telling stories that you know to help uh, te- make teachable moments. Um, yeah. You know, because we've already discussed that clearly the the writer had their intentions in mind. Yes. Uh, with his production of it, so it it is difficult to protect or to defend it, Brian's perspective because it is very obvious. Yeah. This is not being used tell a parable that this is almost a celebration of it that's that's the problem yes uh, and i think there is a version of this film like we've discussed that, that takes that celebration down to make it something you can discuss to make it something you can watch and go damn without going oh god damn oh what the fuck like there's very distinct difference between those two things mm-hmm. and, and i i don't think that again this is not this film is not the hill to die on for dark stories no. it's it was <laughs> executed in such a way that it's just not but is there something there that is entertaining oh, it's better failure oh that's kind of sweet <laughs> uh, 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 feel. <laughs> yeah i mean like is there a story there to tell regardless of that yeah i, I think that this film can be be viewed in such a way under such circumstances with such a cut uh, yes. as to I don't know I, I want to say to take away the celebration of it like just just to pause it and I know we keep on reopening we're, it yeah, we're circling on it but go ahead All right we're talking about the manipulation of Sawa right yeah, sure. and then we're talking about trying to keep Obery a part of a part of the organization, right? Assassination ring? I don't know. Let's just... Right. So instead of having Kanai, it could have really been a... And, and I think Lynette would have loved this one if it was Sawa and Oberi that had a scene together. It would have been a hell of a lot more... would have been a hell of a lot better. Yeah, absolutely. It had more of an impact on, on that, that need to be free. Intimacy, and, yeah, that an intimacy at uh, an intimacy of her own, of her own will, right? That yeah. she was the manipulator of. Yeah, you know, one more thing: that whole scene with uh with uh Akai walking in on Kanane or whatever it is, it yeah, felt yeah. Go-Go. it felt what very Gogo thirteen. When the guy with Gogo Thirteen was, was was giving that woman the business, and his handler walks in there, is talking to him about it. Yeah, yep, oh, yeah. It's just it was just it was all kinds of wrong. And then guess what? At the end of it, after they had their business, then she started going going down on the guy. Come yeah. on, yeah. It's just it's a whole it's a fuck. Okay, up. I'm I'm gonna stop talking now. Oh, we're good. I think we should wrap it up. It's. We gave final thoughts half an hour ago. Uh, so we definitely... Yeah, we're an hour talked, and a half in. We've talked our, our listeners' ears off. Guys, uh, thank you for tuning in this episode. We appreciate it. And yeah, you know what? Uh, chime in. Let us know your thoughts on Kite because this is a, a divisive piece of work here. There's plenty to talk about. Probably could go another hour on this if we let ourselves. Probably. So, Can I do the keep calm? Yeah, sure. So that's our show for today.
and keep calm and please be careful about your dick pics. You've just been privy to the mindless midlife musings of the anime nerd presented by Geek Grotto. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Geek Grotto. For show notes and corrections or for general geeky fun, you can visit our website at geek-grotto.com. If you would like to sponsor the show, you can do so on the podcast's Red Circle host site, redcircle.com slash shows slash M-M-M-A-N. If you're listening to us on your favorite podcast app, please like, follow, and subscribe.